0: Hello there, my name's Rebecca White and I am a PhD student in biology at the University of Exeter here in the UK. I'm also on the committee team for the Research Ethics Association and I have been tasked with helping them set up this podcast and in this first episode, I am here to convince you of two things. First of all, I want to convince you why research ethics is so important to consider in all fields. And secondly, that you should sign up for a free membership with Research Ethics Association, also known as REA. So I thought I'd do this by taking you with me to a conference at the University of West England. With me in these recordings, you will hear the voices of our wonderful three co-founders, Warren Ellis and Dr Maria. And although they've asked me to make this podcast, they weren't always super willing to be on it themselves, but I managed to get some good conversations with them. Because I was recording this live at the conference, the sound quality isn't the best all the time, but I still wanted to share it with you. So here we go. Off to Yui.
1: Right here, right now? Yeah, all the
0: way through all day. It's going to be really annoying. <laughs> That's great. So where are we going? We're going to Yui.
2: Why are we going Being to Yui? are your in, in India. Uh, To a conference, the SLUTP conference for PGR. Yeah, why
3: are we going, Warren? Uh, We're going to set up our first ever research ethics association stand.
0: I was also lucky enough to catch some of the researchers who were on site as well. Uh, They had posters up, so they were doing poster presentations, and I managed to grab them for a little conversation. So all the attendees right now are in the opening seminar that's going on? Uh, with the keynote and I'm here looking at the posters to see who we can talk to that will be useful for understanding research ethics. And I've come across a poster by Kaylee Charlton who looks like she's at the University of Bath and I think this would be a really great one to start with. She's looking at the imaginary queer prison, collaborating with prisoners and it looks like she's looking at the approach of prisons typically designed for the cis white man and how this can impact um, queer people in women's prisons. And I guess she's gonna be looking at how you can better design prisons, maybe to work better towards rehabilitation. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm gonna catch up with her later, maybe at lunch to see what she says. So, um, I was reading your poster earlier, and I saw the part where you mentioned that prisons are designed for cis white men, like most things. In the world. Um, how do you think that would look for prisons? Like, what is different about them than if they'd been designed for a more diverse range of people? I guess that's what I'm trying to find out. Um, yeah, I'm
1: exploring what space could look like if it were designed with a more diverse population in mind. So, we've got research on women's prisons and like the feminist prison and what that might look like. And um, the biggest thing that it takes into account is, yeah, that. <laughs> This specific experiences of women that are in prison (laughs) and those characteristics that they identify with um, and they've got kind of increased uh, likelihood of trauma or abuse and etc etc Now I'm trying to find out what this would look like if we kind of blew that up and said well you know this is great, designing the space for women but in a women's prison we don't just have women Uh, there are non-binary folks, there are trans folks that are out, there are trans folks that aren't out Um, so yeah I think I'm much more Physically diverse and varied space
0: would play into that. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. That sounds really interesting. Um, So, with the letter writing and your Mm -hmm. methods, how do you make sure that. I don't know if you ask them really about kind of trauma and stuff they've experienced in prisons, nothing like that. So, there's no ethical considerations in terms of making sure they're okay after they've written about it. Well, we do talk about
1: stuff related to their gender and sexuality, which might be personal or kind of bring up difficult uh, conversations. Um, So I'm working alongside people like Bent Bars Project, which are another letter writing service. It's like a pen pal for queer folks in prison mm. and they pair up with queer folks on the outside. And then this kind of pointing to to the direction of resources like this just allows them to continue that conversation and have someone to go to with these issues that has also lived experiences of queerness etc. Cetera, etc cetera. So oh, yeah, just knowing your resources and like go to the right people, I guess.
0: So is this program is it just kind of a continual pen pal thing throughout time or is it just for like, yeah, I mean when they come out project. Yeah uh,
1: yeah that's that project's an ongoing project. It's mm-hmm. an organization that um yeah specifically focus on uh,
0: this but it's only for folk that are in prison. Oh right. Yeah. Nice. So when they get out that's the end of the Yeah I believe so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, how do you predict these prisons could work better for rehabilitation for these, these queer people in the women's prisons? So is that like the main focus of your research?
1: So that's actually it's a good question, but it's um,
0: can I ask a related question? Yes, actually? yeah, would you mind? Or where do you place yourself in terms of like the academic debate around punitive like prisons? So, yeah, yeah, this, yeah is, exactly. this is
1: this is what I'm coming to. So the imaginary queer prisons actually going to be uh, um, written as a fictional. Like thing. Right. Um, I'm going to write it as like this kind of sci-fi creative sh- short story where I explore what it could look like in some kind of utopia. But I don't and I don't want it to be built. I don't intend for it to be built. So whatever I say, it, it, I will ver- argue very clearly that it shouldn't be built because I don't want to start this conversation of, you know, a lot of feminist researchers will start a conversation about women's spaces and then they've Try to design better women's prisons. I don't want this to turn into like queer-informed prisons because it's just another excuse to like lock people up, right? That's or a like, big thing to that. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it will be a fictional thing, and it's a, it's definitely intended not to not to further incarcerate people, especially marginalised groups.
0: Did you think maybe you could suggest recommendations for little things? That could go into prisons so that are ready. Absolutely. In place. So the
1: second study is the spatial sexuality and informativity on this one. That will have recommendations to do with like how can we um, better consider like the immediate environments of these queer folks in prison, but like the overall imaginary queer prison is not yeah, not intended to be built in any way.
0: Back at the Rec exhibit, I caught up with Robin Jeps to talk about pandemics, prejudice and the perceptions of blame. She's looking at COVID-19 in South Africa. I'll ask you a couple of questions.
2: Yeah. About your research stuff. Um. So my particular project is based in uh, Cape Town and surrounding areas in South oh, Africa. Okay. Um. So I'll be working, doing like focus groups or like dyadic uh, interviews with different uh, people, from, kind of from different identity backgrounds. So looking at like kind of like urban poor, rural poor. Um, obviously, people of different um, ethnicities, um, people with different educational backgrounds, and how getting them to look at the way that COVID nineteen is presented as a threat in the media, and how that affects their perceptions of the people around them. One of the things that I that really interested me in particular was the idea of space. Right. So. Um, People like, um, obviously, one of the legacies of apartheid is the spatial configuration of race. Um, So, particularly people like wealthier white people, they live in these kind of spread out gated communities, whereas people of color, they live in these townships where they're kind of living on top of each other. And that's part of the reason why um, people perceive with infectious disease, one of the things is you've got to have space to stop the flow of it. So, it's how people perceive the responsibility of the spread of COVID in terms of, you know, whether people have been able to socially distance. People living in townships have had to get bus journeys two hours to get groceries because spazas were shut in South Africa. So I think that's probably, at the minute, I feel like that's kind of the idea of space is probably where I will go with that. So looking at, again, like, you know, wealthier spaces and so say, like, poorer spaces.
0: So at the end of it, are you going to try and make some recommendations? Um, Yeah, so
2: I'm hopefully going to be, doing sort of like, you know, stakeholder um, meetings and kind of engaging with government officials.
0: In just a couple of weeks, there is the Research Ethics Conference, also known as REC, being held at the University of Bath. Membership to the Research Ethics Association is still free, so make sure you check it out now on ethics-association.org. Here's over to Warren to tell you why you should do this. So we got a lot of people who are interested, and some people who have signed up as members. If anyone listening wants to sign up, how can they do that?
3: So they can log on to uh, ethics-association.org and um, click on the uh, join REA button. And we have free membership for two years at the moment because we're still establishing ourselves. Um, and when you, start, uh, you join up, you can have um, uh, there's some free like benefits and stuff.
0: Why should I sign up right now? Sell it to me. I don't know. <laughs> Sell it to me. What do you get? You're planning some workshops?
3: Oh, right, yes, you have access to that, um, free workshops, uh, otherwise, which you'd have to pay for, um, so it's free membership, you might as well just sign up. Um, you get um, early information about the Research Ethics Conference that we have coming up in June. Uh, 2023. In Bar, 2023, yeah. um, and uh, discounts with publishers, um, and be part of the newsletter, and we're working on other benefits as well. In the yeah, future. and just
0: be part of a great community, right? Yeah. Like-minded people.
3: Like me. Yeah,
0: like you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in episode two.